You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Russian state hackers breach Microsoft. Lockbit claims Subway restaurants. A Swedish data center is hit with ransomware. VMware patches a vulnerability targeted by Chinese espionage groups. Sentinel Labs warns of North Korean APT's focus on cybersecurity pros. The FTC orders another data broker to restrict location data. U.S. feds release security guidance for water and wastewater sectors. And senators question the DOJ on facial recognition technology. Ukraine's monobank gets DDoSed. N2K's CSO Rick Howard joins us to share some insights into what he and the hash table are cooking up for the upcoming season of his CSO Perspectives podcast. And the passing of a Time Lord. It's Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. Thank you for joining us. It is great to have you with us here today. We begin with news that Russian state hackers, identified as Midnight Blizzard, also known as Nobelium or APT29, infiltrated the email accounts of Microsoft's senior executives and staff within its cybersecurity and legal departments. The breach, disclosed by Microsoft in a regulatory filing with the SEC, occurred for approximately six weeks, with the company detecting the intrusion on January 12th and severing access by January 13th. The attack was initiated via a password spraying technique on a non-production account and enabled access to a limited portion of corporate emails, primarily targeting information about Midnight Blizzard itself. Microsoft says there was no evidence of the hackers reaching customer data, production systems, source code, or AI systems. The extent of data accessed and the implications of the breach are still under investigation. We note for disclosure that Microsoft is a CyberWire partner. The Lockbit ransomware gang has claimed responsibility for hacking Subway, the leading multinational fast food franchise. Announcing this on their Tor data leak site, Lockbit threatened to release the stolen data, compromising hundreds of gigabytes this coming February 2nd. The compromised data reportedly includes sensitive financial information such as employee salaries, franchise royalty and commission payments, and restaurant turnovers. Lockbit accuses Subway of ignoring the breach and warns of selling the data to competitors if Subway fails to secure it. Cloud hosting service provider ta to every disclosed that its Swedish data center experienced what it's calling a partial ransomware attack, impacting numerous clients and leading to store closures nationwide. The Finland-based tech company stated the attack was confined to a segment of the data center, primarily affecting services for some Swedish customers. This includes Primula, a major payroll and HR firm used by most Swedish universities and over 30 government authorities disrupting personal leave and expense submissions. While January salaries have been processed, future remediation plans remain unclear. 
no confirmation was given regarding the theft of sensitive data. Mandiant and VMware Product Security discovered that UNC3886, an advanced espionage group with links to China, has been exploiting a VMware vulnerability since late 2021, although it was only publicly reported and patched in October of 2023. This group, known for targeting technologies without endpoint detection and response systems, has a history of using zero-day vulnerabilities for undetected operations. The exploitation was traced back to vCenter system crash logs, which revealed the VM DIRD service crashing just before the deployment of attacker backdoors. Analysts linked these crashes to an out-of-bounds write vulnerability in vCenter's DCE RPC protocol, allowing unauthenticated remote command execution. The core dumps, typically preserved indefinitely, were found removed in most cases, indicating deliberate action by the attackers to hide their tracks. VMware released patches for this vulnerability, and Mandiant advises users to update to the latest vCenter version to mitigate the risk. Cybersecurity researchers and threat analysts are increasingly targeted by nation-state advanced persistent threat actors, such as North Korea's StarCraft Group. These actors employ various tactics, like creating fake social media profiles and GitHub accounts, to lure security professionals into downloading malware. A recent report from Sentinel Labs highlights StarCraft's persistent campaign targeting experts in North Korean affairs, including those from South Korea's academic sector and a news organization. They use malware disguised as threat research reports as decoys, which Sentinel Labs says is a new strategy. This malware is believed to be in the testing phase and includes shellcode variants and LNK files named after intelligence and news topics targeting those interested in North Korean cybersecurity developments. The goal is to gather non-public threat intelligence and improve their attack techniques. Sentinel Labs warns that cybersecurity professionals should remain vigilant as these sophisticated social engineering and phishing campaigns could target a wide range of professionals in the industry. Data aggregator InMarket Media has agreed to stop selling precise location data following charges from the Federal Trade Commission of not adequately informing consumers or obtaining their consent for collecting and using their location data for advertising. Under the proposed order, InMarket is also barred from categorizing or targeting consumers based on sensitive location data. This action by the FTC, its second in the last few weeks, addresses InMarket's practices of collecting location data from sources including its apps and third-party apps using its SDK. The proposed order requires InMarket to delete or de-identify previously collected data, provide opt-out mechanisms, notify consumers about FTC action, limit data collection without informed consent, and establish a privacy program and data retention schedule. The U.S. government released new guidance to enhance cyber resilience and incident response in the water and wastewater sector, the WWS, addressing threats from financially and politically motivated actors. The Water and Wastewater Sector Incident Response Guide, developed by CISA, the FBI, EPA, and other federal and WWS partners, provides comprehensive strategies for water utility owners and operators to prepare for, mitigate, and respond to cyber incidents. 
The guide emphasizes the sector's vulnerabilities to various cyber events like unauthorized access and ransomware, with potential widespread impacts on critical infrastructure. It outlines federal roles, resources, and responsibilities throughout the incident response lifecycle, offering guidelines for incident reporting, resources, services, and training. The guide encourages WWS organizations to build cybersecurity baselines, interact with local cyber communities, and share information on cyber attacks with federal partners. It also advises on strengthening incident response plans, covering preparation, detection, analysis, containment, recovery, and post-incident review. While prioritizing water system operations, WWS utilities are urged to participate in collective response efforts and share lessons learned after incidents. A group of 18 senators, led by Democrats Dick Durbin and Raphael Warnock, expressed concerns to the Department of Justice regarding the use and accuracy of facial recognition technology, particularly its frequent misidentification of black individuals. Highlighting an instance of a wrongful jailing due to this technology, the senators questioned the DOJ's funding and oversight of such systems, suggesting potential violations of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. They sought information on DOJ's measures to ensure compliance with civil rights laws and policies to track the deployment of facial recognition technology. This technology has also faced scrutiny from privacy advocates and the Federal Trade Commission, with recent cases like Rite Aid's settlement for misuse. The DOJ acknowledged receipt of the letter but did not comment further. Monobank, a prominent online bank in Ukraine, experienced a significant DDoS attack as confirmed by their CEO, Ole Horakovsky. Despite the attack's scale, Monobank's services remain uninterrupted. This incident follows a similar DDoS attack on Ukraine's broadband and mobile services, previously targeting Kyivstar. The origin of the attack is unclear, but Ukraine has faced numerous cyber attacks targeting its critical infrastructure, especially since the onset of the Russian invasion. Coming up after the break, our own Rick Howard joins us to share some insights into what he and the hash table are cooking up for the upcoming season of his CSO Perspectives podcast. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. 
Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. It is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief security officer and also our chief analyst. But more important than any of that, he is the host of the CSO Perspectives podcast right here on (laughs) the CyberWire. Rick, how are you, my friend? Hey, Dave. How are you? Long time no talk, my friend. I know, I know. So listen, I I called you in today. I summoned you, if it if <laughs> as it were. <laughs> and I always do what you tell me to do, Dave. I just want you to know that yeah. I lit up the Rick Howard bat signal, and <laughs> and the reason is that um, when I am out and about, uh, either on social media or just running into folks around here, one of the questions that I get quite often is. Uh, where do we stand with CSO perspectives? You have a lot of fans with that show, and people want more. So they're wondering, uh, where where are we? Is uh, Has the show been on hiatus, or are you cooking up more episodes? Where do we stand? Well, you know, right before Christmas break, we brought all the interns in and locked them into the Sanctum Sanctorum and said, <laughs> get busy. Right. On season fourteen, right? Okay, uh, and so we've been we've been working on all that and uh, discussing various interesting topics with uh, our crew that approaches the CyberWire hash table. These are our list of experts that come on and make sure that I'm not completely crazy with my ideas. And so that has been going back and forth. And so we have been working hard uh, to get that uh, first season out for the new year. All right. And can you give us any sort of uh, sneak preview here? What are some of the, the things you're considering for this season? One of the things I'm really excited about is we got the hash table members working on what is a generic, but maybe a standard slide for board reporting, right? And so what I'm talking about is uh, it doesn't matter what vertical you're in or how big you are, but if you're going to report to the board about cybersecurity, What are the essential elements of information that we should be presenting to these leaders so they can help them uh, help us um, make a better program? And so the ideas are flying, okay, across the hash table. And so that's going to be a really interesting episode. Yeah, that's interesting. What else is on the table here? You and I talked last year, uh, uh, this idea of radically asymmetrical distribution of problems, right? Uh Uh, I was listening to... Um, a presentation um, by um, Malcolm Gladwell, who's one of my favorite podcasters, right? And, sure. and he, came, yeah. he came out to a cybersecurity conference and he, he said, you know, I don't want to be claimed that I'm a cyber expert because I'm not, but it, it occurred to him that maybe cybersecurity is not, uh, should not be handled the same way for every organization, which is exactly what we all do, Dave, right? We mm-hmm. say, everybody, implement NIST cybersecurity framework or the ISO standards or, you know, pick your thing that you like. 
and everybody do it the same way, basically. And what he suggested was that maybe it's not the same for everybody. It might be one set of problems for a Fortune 500, but a completely different set of problems for a startup like in 2K. So we're hmm. going uh, to take a look at that and see if that's true. Hmm. Interesting. Give me one more, uh, one more uh, tidbit here. Well, you know, I've been particularly interested in what the SEC did to SolarWinds, the company yeah. and the CISO, Tim Brown, uh, in conjunction with their new ruling about materiality. And I will tell you, I've been talking to a lot of CISOs about this. There is uh, a big bag of confusion about what all that means to everybody, right? And, right, right. Uh, and so, um, and just to give you, a, for, uh, for instance, you know, uh, S the SEC charged Tim Brown, who wasn't even the CISO at the time. He was just the VP of security. Okay. He, the, uh, the SEC charged him with fraud, okay, mm -hmm. for not reporting the exact way, the whacked way to describe the security posture of SolarWinds, right? And mm -hmm. it just boggles my mind, Dave, <laughs> that <laughs> the SEC would reach past the board, reach past the two CEOs who were, were involved in all this during that time period and grab the non-CISO and charge that guy, right? It's like, that doesn't make any sense. So we're going to explore all that and uh, see if we can figure out what it means uh, going forward. I'm curious, you know, back uh, in your days at Palo Alto Networks, when you were sitting in, you know, one of those seats, did you ever imagine that you'd see this sort of thing with or something like the SEC coming after someone in, in your position? I, it didn't occur to me because, you know, Dave, you and I have talked about this, right? The, the CISO is chief, chief in name only. Right. You know, he's not part of the, or he or she is not part of the senior leadership team normally. That's not true yeah. in every case, but normally it's not the case. Right. Right. And the CISO was not part of the board, right? So they have no, there's no legal responsibility assigned to the chief information security officer um, like you would get normally with a, a company's uh, suite of officers, right? So They're not in, in the, your errors and omissions policy. Yeah, it's not in part of that, right? <laughs> right. It's, so uh, for most of us, in the best cases, we might have input to what is presented to the public in terms of materiality. Yeah. But in the worst case, we're not even brought in the room, right? So uh, that's why it's I'm just so... So, like I said, gobsmacked that the SEC reached in and grabbed Tim Brown for that charge. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. So, maybe I'm crazy, but we'll see what the rest of the hash table members say. But uh, that's kind of where I'm leaning. All right. Well, we will stay tuned for that. And uh, I know we don't have an exact timeline yet on when to expect the next season of CSO Perspectives, but I know the fans will be glad to hear that it is being worked on. <laughs> uh, there are some past seasons of CSO Perspectives that are publicly available. So do check that out if you're unfamiliar with it. That is on our website, thecyberwire.com. Uh, until next time, Rick Howard, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, 
Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And finally, we note the passing of David Mills, an engineer and computer scientist who was creator of the Network Time Protocol, a fundamental element of networks and the Internet itself. In 1977, David Mills joined ComSat and became involved in the ARPANET, a precursor to the Internet. Recognizing the need for synchronized time across the network, Mills developed the Network Time Protocol, a system for timekeeping on the Internet. His protocol differentiated reliable true chimers from misleading false tickers, and by 1988, NTP could synchronize clocks to within milliseconds. Mills was known for his eccentricity and expertise in various fields, and nicknamed the Internet's Time Lord by his peers. He passed away on January 17th at the age of 85. May his memory be a blessing to those who knew and loved him. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment on Jason and Brian's show every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Fittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.